coming to you from beautiful Monterey, California. And, uh, boy, we had a little rough day out there today. It was a little chilly, and, uh, man, the waves were breaking in. And uh, well, it's calmed down a little bit, but, boy, was it cold today. Today we got Mr. Chuck Lefevre, golfer, entrepreneur, <laughs> winemaker. Man, we talk about we talk some stories. You come in, you and I hit it off real well right off the bat. You know, we did, we did golf and cars. Yep, we Man. sure did. So, what do you got going on nowadays? You got a store well, up I, in uh, Seattle, I, I believe, right? Yep, we have uh, Esquin Wine and Spirits okay. up there, uh, which has got an uh, online site called MadWine.com. dot com. Okay, and, and put a link to that on the oh yeah, right. that'd be great. Sure. Um, we have fifty four hundred different wines. Um, wow. 1,200 different spirits. Holy cow. Um, and we have beer, too. We don't we don't ship beer, but we have beer as well. Um, we don't have this, the kind of beer selection we do with wine and spirits that's, that we're really known for. Uh, as a, We started out just as a wine store. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. The store's been around since 1969. It was the first licensed uh, private store in Washington State when they changed the laws. Mm. And the, the previous owner had it for 28 years, and I've had it since, which is... Uh, uh, 1997. So that would be we're coming up on uh, 25 years. In 97, you took it over. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yep. You've seen some. Yeah. You seen in Seattle. You've seen a lot of changes in Seattle. Oh too. God, yes. So prior, yeah. So you make your own wine, also. Well, we only make a a, a couple of wines. Sure. Um, we have um, a, a wine called Vita Migliori, which means better life, which is um, which is uh, dedicated to my grandparents. Yeah, we'll get into that. I want to hear about that. <laughs> Um, and so, and then we have another wine uh, called uh, Mill and Mine, and that one is named after um, the original uh, business that was in the building that we're in back in the nineteen uh, thirties. Okay. And it was a it was a supply company for mills and mines, mm. and it was, and the company was called Mill and Mine. Perfect. Yeah. So we named the wine after that. So I, I know absolutely, I've been sober for 35 years, so I know absolutely nothing about wines. But people out there that do know about wine, tell me a little bit about what you make. What, what type of, I know uh, there's they're, like... They're both, they're both blends. They're Washington wines. They're both blends. The Mellon Mine is fifteen ninety nine, and it's a, it's a Cab Merlot blend. And then the, um, the uh, Vita Migliore, it, it varies from vintage to vintage. This particular vintage is 50% Cab and 50% Merlot. Um, mm. And it's nineteen ninety nine, And it's, they're both really good values for the price. So it's like the type of thing that you make wine every year and then you just put it away, and then every uh, well, 10 we, years we make, release we, some or no, we make a limited amount. Oh, I see. Of each, um, I think uh, this year we had a hundred cases of the Vita Migliore, and and I think we only had fifty cases of the Millum Nine. Mm. Um, and they and they're both they're both available, but they're also getting close to sold out. Right. They're, they're good. They're good. Pro- good product for the money. Good value. Yeah, limited supply. Yep. Good for a collector. Well, they, they're drink now wines. They're not really collector wines. Oh, I see. Ones. Okay. Yeah. You want to you take them home and drink them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're, and so you can come back and buy more. <laughs> I had some Vita Migliore last night with my dinner, actually, and it was delicious. Oh, all right. What'd you have it with? <clears throat> I had um, uh, chicken meatballs okay. and um, angel hair pasta with a red sauce that my wife made um, before she left town. Nice. <laughs> so I, I, was eat, I was eating the leftovers. Yeah. I made the meatballs. And the and the pasta, but uh, but the sauce was hers. Oh, perfect! And it was it was very good, actually. Together, you made a 
Perfect we did. meal. We did. It was good. She's running in circles for a little while here, huh? She comes in here also. I know she's a very popular realtor up there. She is. So she's <coughs> running, chasing her tail, from yeah. what I understand, the next yeah. week or so. Uh, she has a different last name than mine. Her name is Christine Sams. Oh, okay. Like, like Sam's Club. Right. And, Anybody uh, needs and, real estate up in that area, man. <laughs> she's the one to talk to. She knows she's, everybody. She does. And she's listing two houses up there right now. Yeah, mercy. One of them is 90 miles north of... Uh, not quite 90, 90 miles, about 60 or 70 miles north of Seattle. And the other one is about 60 miles south of Seattle. Wow. So she's uh, that's what she's doing right she's now. Covering some ground. Covering some ground, yeah. Holy cow. So she'll be back in a week or so. And Yeah, she's going to be back down here. We have a place in Carmel Valley. Okay. Uh, at Carmel Valley Ranch. Hmm. And um, and she's going to be down here, back here on Thursday night. Oh, I see. Right, right. So, so you're hanging out. You've got a place here and in Seattle. We do. Any other we're, spots around? Or? We're we're in Edmonds, north of Seattle, about twenty miles. Oh, I see. Oh, Ed, Edmonds. Okay. And then and then we have a timeshare in Cabo as well that we go oh, to. Oh, In fact, I just booked that trip. Oh, for nice. June. <laughs> Get to stay there for a month. Um, well, this is a week. A week one. This yeah, a, sure. A week. With my, going down with my sister and her husband and my oh, nice. my daughter and her husband. We um. Uh, we like it down there a lot. We but but we. Also, like to limit how how long we're down there. Kind of, I don't know what it is about Mexico, but when I love going down there, the weather's perfect. We get, have some great food, but after about a week or ten days, I feel like I got to go home and wash all my clothes, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> take a good shower. <laughs> yeah, I got a buddy I went to high school with, and yeah, he and his wife have been years and years. They every year they go down to Cabo. They just love it. Must be something about it. I haven't been down there, but it must be something that draws them back over and over again. We went down there. Um, it's been now about seven or eight years ago. Uh, a friend of mine had a timeshare, and we we took his week because he couldn't use it, oh. and I bought it from him. And then uh, and then we when we were down there, we went, why don't we have one I of don't. these? <laughs> <laughs> so so we ended up buying a, a, a timeshare at a place called Pueblo Benito Sunset, oh, and it's beautiful. it's fabulous. It's a great resort, and um, and it's one of those things where you know Seattle winters can be pretty cold, Oof. and uh, Monterey Carmel uh, can be pretty cold it's not the warmest place it's right. most, i think it's the most beautiful place in the world yeah but it's also not the warmest place in the world right and it uh, does it is a little overcast here yeah sometimes a little or, or, or a little sometimes you just need some sunshine right. so when we need some sunshine we go to cabo oh man to the timeshare down there so we, we are we're we say this to each other all the time we're blessed we For have sure. we, we have a blessed life right we, we right. really really do yeah um, so it's uh, nice to be able to yeah to appreciate that yeah Edmonds is a great little town it's a it's a ferry town where people come to catch a ferry to oh, go to I the see. other side on the Olympic Peninsula and mm. it's a cute little walking town in, in uh, north of Seattle uh, really nice little town and then living in Carmel Valley we get a little more sunshine than you do over here on the coast mm. um, and we're six miles away from all the great restaurants and shops in, in right. Carmel and the Monterey area. I mean, it's just beautiful. You know, yeah. take, in an hour, we can be in Big Sur. How did Edmonds get started? Is that a logging community or was that a fishing community? I think it was a logging community. Probably logging. Yeah, yeah I think it was logging. One of the trees that are up there. And, and there's a there's a um, a natural bowl mm. that, that's Edmonds, um, and so that you end up with a lot of houses with great views. So we have a we're fortunate. We bought an older house um, that had a great view, 180 degree view of the um, a. Uh, Puget Sound and the Olympic Mountains on the other side. Oh, wow. It, it's a spectacular view. We had to put a lot of money and a lot of work into sure. that house uh, right. to make it work. It's um, a bit of a fixer-upper. It was a big fixer-upper. <laughs> <laughs> we had, we had um, this great view, 
and hardly any windows that mm. showed it. So we had to put a bunch of headers in and beams to, to be able to open up that whole the Tear whole house, and, and especially the west side of the house. Yeah. Um, they have a big deck out there, and we created an indoor-outdoor space. So we have a, a wall that actually collapses uh, accordions oh. down, and I mean, you can uh, right off the kitchen, so you can... Uh, have great parties. All right. I and, was going to ask you whether you added some square footage to it, but you just added more usable outdoor space. Basically, in, uh, indoor outdoor space. Right. And um, we um, we finished it just before COVID, so <laughs> <laughs> we haven't had a lot of parties. We had a couple last year. Right. Right. We had and we had some before it was finished. Yeah. Was, it, it took us five years to finish the remodel. Oh, did it? Yeah. It yeah. Was, we had oh. carpet. We had contractors at our door at seven a.m. Every day for five years, for years. or not every day, but yeah, it seemed, yeah, it seemed right. like it. It, seemed yeah. like it. Uh, right. it was, ah, man, like the movie, know. The Money Pit. Yeah, you never know, again, just, never uh, again. Time. It's, right. It turned out great, but yeah. never, never again. Right. Well, you got the realtor that'll find you the deals. Yeah, I don't want any more houses. Some assembly required, <laughs> though, huh? Yeah, exactly. Well, she, she actually had this house listed and, and took me into it and said, "I think we should buy it." And I said. It's got pink carpet and pink Corian countertops, and upstairs there's even pink wallpaper. Right, I, I, it's not for me. And she's like, <laughs> shut up and look at the view. And then I, I, um, she took me out there a second time, and I said, if we're gonna do this, look a second time. I said, I'm gonna bring my um, architect friend out here. Ah, right. And I had a, a guy that I know who's a customer at the store, and I took him out. They had done some work for me at the store. And I took him out there to look at it, and, and he went home that was, that was like a Friday. He went home that weekend and drew it all out, um, like um, not on the back of a napkin, but almost, yeah. and said, "This is what you, this is what it can look like." And he presented it to us, and we wow. went, "Wow, okay, okay, I get it. Now I see it." Right. Yeah, I don't have that kind of vision, but he did. Right, right. He took it. Yeah, he looked at all your weight bearing walls, and this is what you need to get rid of, and put this in, and yep, just. Just uh, cancel the pink carpet out of your mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> see if you can see through that. Exactly. It's not always easy to do. Yeah, it, 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 I couldn't do it, but he, he was able to do right. it. When he came up with this uh, accordion wall and the, uh, taking advantage of the view and a whole different kitchen and everything, I mean, it, we literally took the downstairs down to the studs. Wow. And the, Including the ceiling. Love that. Including the ceiling. And then upstairs, we didn't have to do quite as much work, but we, we put in a, a master suite that was substantially different. We had to move some walls up there. And put in a nice um, master closet. Christine, Christine was I was, was kept telling me that we needed to put the, um, the the pantry behind the kitchen, and I said, "Well, it's already in the back of the kitchen the, the way it was designed before." And we talked. We, we went round and round and round about it, and she said, "No, behind the kitchen." And I said, "It is at the back of the kitchen." And, she <laughs> said, and finally, she she convinced me. We had an atrium that was behind the kitchen, ah. and she said it's wasted space. We need right. to take that and make it into a pantry. Just one huge. And then the the architect moved the stairs mm. and created a uh, an even bigger space back there. So we have this big pantry, <laughs> and above it we now have a walk in closet on top of the pantry. Oh, perfect! So and all that was just an atrium. It was wasted space. Sure, but you had to move the staircase. But you just didn't think about it. No. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Had to move the staircase. Had to move walls. It was it was extensive project. I, yeah, I've I had to move I've, staircases before. That's no fun. No, sometimes you got into get into the basement and pour new footings, and you know that's a whole new weight bearing system when you're putting a, a new stairway somewhere. Yeah, know. and we um, we lived there the whole time. <laughs> it wasn't like we moved out and let them do that kind of thing. Right, yeah. it wasn't we, wind blowing through it, but <laughs> yeah, we we came home one night when they when they were um, uh, doing drywall. 
and there was so much dust in the house that we had to go rent a hotel room. Right. I mean, right. we just couldn't. We we could not live there, even though it's too thick. They uh, they put this the. Uh, Visqueen up and all sure. the stuff that they needed to do. It, it was just too much. So Sneaks anyhow, through. never uh, again. Right, never again. <laughs> <laughs> tapped out. Yeah, but you got the COVID, so you got to enjoy it. Nothing but that house for a while, huh? You kind of got stuck there. Or did you get out? <laughs> we got stuck here. Oh, you got stuck here. here. Oh. At, at, at the beginning of COVID, we were down here for four months. Oh wow! <clears throat> and it was great. The golf course was closed. Yeah. We, we were we yeah. were walking on the golf course. We rode our bikes on the golf course. Mm. Um, you don't realize how how steep those uh, those trails are for the golf carts. When you, you don't have your golf cart until with you, you ride right? until you ride a, a bicycle <laughs> on them. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, it, and we hiked everywhere around here. We we really explored the area. Because that's one of the few things you could do. Mm, right. um, at the time, everything was closed. Mm. I mean, we were, we were like everybody else. We were wearing masks and gloves, and we were we were disinfecting our groceries in the garage before we brought them into the house. You know, nobody knew what what um, was safe and what wasn't in the early stages of COVID. You really didn't. Yeah, yeah. Right. We have, same thing with uh, to go food from the restaurants. Sure. Yeah. We literally. Uh, would take it out of the container in the garage and put it in on a on a plate, and <laughs> throw the containers away. Well, yeah, that, I remember getting that for the first time. It was like, okay, so now what do we do? We got we got to open the bag that they came in, so that's no good. Do we have to yeah. clean the surfaces of the to go box and everything? Like, oh, yeah. oh, this is crazy. And then trying to find <laughs> uh, disinfectant wipes. Was right. We were making our own disinfectant wipes. I, was, yeah. I got alcohol at the store right. and 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 ones that weren't. Um, disinfectant, and we would pour the alcohol into the other wipes and yeah, make them make them disinfectant. Right. That's crazy times. Yeah, crazy times. I had a business that was closed down for ten months, so I was doing as much as I could to at least help out the businesses that were allowed to be open. You know, restaurants and that kind of thing. Sure. You know, but uh, it was a little scary at begin at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Our neighbor down here, uh, her her family owns some restaurants here in Carmel. Oh yeah. And I remember she said, "Oh, my sister's dying over there." She said. I've got a hundred thousand dollars worth of bills and I can't pay them. Mm. I don't know what I'm going to do. This is before the PPP loans sure, and all right, that stuff came right. about, and and all the rescue stuff that came out. Yeah, and she was, you know, they had built a successful um, empire, a business of restaurants, and I had a beautiful home. They just done remodeling it, and all of a sudden they had no income, and uh, and a bunch of bills. So I mean, it was, wow. it was those were scary times. They sure were. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm one of the few people that actually benefited business-wise from COVID. Everybody's sitting home drinking wine. They're sitting home drinking. And <laughs> our, our delivery business tripled and our oh, I bet. and our uh, shipping business doubled. Right. Yeah, we were already doing both of those, but but they became a huge part of our business. You're just helping For, society just get through it. You're just well, lending a helping hand. Just, just doing our part. <laughs> oh, that's great. Where'd you we, grow up? I grew up in San Jose. San Jose. Oh, actually, right my, in California, my, right? yeah, my my um, my dad uh, was in the Navy. So uh, my my mom was a single mom until I was seven. My my biological father had died before I was born. Okay, um, and I, we lived with my uncle and my grandparents. And so um, uh, my dad came along and married my mom when I was eight. And he had, he adopted me, or when I was seven rather. Uh, and when I was uh, eight, my sister was born, and we got transferred to the East Coast. So I spent a few years. Couple years in Virginia Beach, a couple years in, in Charleston, South Carolina, and a couple years outside of Washington D.C. in a place called Silver Spring, Maryland. Um, and then we moved back uh, to the San Jose area, mm. and I, I went to high school in San Jose. Okay. Um, and at, actually in Milpitas, uh, to at a school that's not there anymore. 
<laughs> right. It makes you feel old. <laughs> it does. And uh, and then uh, moved to got got married, had a child, got divorced, moved to Marin County for a few years, and some some guy offered me a job out of the blue uh, in Alaska. Oh wow! And uh, I I said, well, I don't know about going to Alaska, and, and it was twice what I was making plus a company car wow. plus some commission money. Yeah. And I, I went, well, let me call the Chamber of Commerce and see what it's really like up there. <laughs> I, I did that. And then I, a friend knew somebody who lived up there, so I called her. And uh, and I ended up moving to Anchorage. I spent, wow. spent 10 years oh, cool. up there. I was going to go up there for three years and make a lot of money and come back and either <laughs> buy a business or a sure, house or right. both. And I went up there and stayed 10 years, came back with a wife and three kids, and no money. A little more than you bargained for, right? <laughs> wasn't quite what no I was expecting. Wasn't quite what I was expecting. <laughs> That's all I was going for was the money. And yeah, then you didn't come up with any. <laughs> I know. It's pretty pretty crazy. But but it was during the pipeline boom days. Oh, okay. And uh, a lot people, of money flying around. Huh? A lot of money and, yeah. and people were having um, trouble hiring people. Mm. So I was able to get into management at a very young age. Because you didn't you weren't like a knucklehead or just right. moved up through the ranks pretty quick. And, at 24, I was a sales manager. Wow! Um, and uh, and uh, and I spent a few years up on the pipeline, making mm. the making the quote unquote big pipeline money. Right, right. Uh, and then uh, and then I got married, and uh, you win all that money. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But I got another management job, another sales manager job for an airline up there. Up there, okay. Yeah, and yeah. then uh, and then I got a, a big break. I uh, uh, I got recruited to this company called Alaska Commercial Company, which is like. Um, uh, the Hudson Bay Company of Alaska. Mm. Their their stores are all out in the bush, um, not on the roads. You have to fly or barge stuff in. Um, it's a really interesting company. And yeah. when I was, we went from um, uh, eleven stores doing, I think around nine million dollars a year worth of business, to twenty three stores doing fifty five million dollars a year worth of business. In the time I was there, I was there three years. I got promoted and promoted and promoted. Sure, I bet. And it, followed and it, it. Yeah, it was just growing like a weed. And my the guy who ran the company was was became a mentor. He literally became my mentor. And um, and after three years, I went to him and I said, "My wife and I have decided that we want to leave the state of Alaska. We have kids; they're young kids, and we don't want them to go through the school system up here. We want to get them out to a better school system. I don't know where we're going to live, but it's not going to be here. So, how about if I give you a, like a one year notice so you can find somebody? I had a I had an unusual job in that I had a lot of different departments working for me, and mm. uh, and some of them were pretty unique. Like we were, we would barge stuff. I had the traffic and distribution department. We would barge stuff in. We would air freight stuff in. We would send stuff through the post office, and and that's not something you you don't come to the company with that knowledge. You learn it while you're while you're there. So you I probably I, invented a lot of it. It sounds like if it grew that fast, we did invent a lot of it. Right. Um, we um, <laughs> we. Actually, sent all of our groceries uh, through the post office because wow. it, it cost thirty-three cents a pound to ship it to most of the places out in the bush, um, and the post office was charging us eleven cents a pound instead of thirty-three cents a pound. And so the mailman was hating you. <laughs> well, they were carrying oranges and everything else. <laughs> they were subsidizing us. Yeah, it had. Oh, okay. It, so basically, the post office was subsidizing us. Sure. And uh, uh, Senator Ted Stevens, who was the big the big dog up there. Sure. Um, was the head of the postal committee in Washington D.C., and so he made sure that they continued to take that 
product out to the bush because mm, those are his yeah. constituents out there. Yeah, right. <laughs> those are my voters. <laughs> exactly. Um, so he, Well, he, that's a hell of a jump. I mean, that's a couple of hell of a jumps. You went from the oil company to an airline company, and then from there to this... Uh, the retail. The retail. retail. Yeah. That's a hell of a jump. Um, that's how Alaska was in those days. Really? It you was just, just go a, from your, like, you're working out an oil company and, hey, right. there's a... Land of, opening. <laughs> land of opportunity and, and who you know more than what you know sure, uh, right. is what it was up there and it's a small town there was only at the time there's only 400,000 people in the whole state yeah and half of them lived in Anchorage yeah and so it, it, anybody that was anybody in the business community up there knew a lot of people mm, that were in the, right. also in the business yeah. community up there well you and I have talked about you know extensively about you know your high school football and you know and you're a hell of a hell of a ball player and you know, and I was, that I, carries through life, doesn't it? it? You know, I mean, you got to know when to pick up the ball and run with it, man. You do. You, you know? do. And I've, I've, uh, I give my mother credit for this, but I, I've never been afraid of hard work. There you go. You know, she, right. she, she brought me up to do, quote unquote, do the right thing. Yeah. And don't be afraid to work for it. Right. And um, and so I did. And you're an Italian kid. Uh, I grew up in a big Italian family. Oh, my, okay. my, my mother's Italian, and and she's the youngest of eleven kids. Okay, right. And I grew up with that with that family. Sure, as, right. She started out as a single mom, and I was partially raised by my aunts in, in Sunnyvale. Aunts and grandmas. Yeah, exactly. Everybody that wanted to lend a smacking hand, <laughs> yeah. an helping hand. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's uh, in Sunnyvale. Is that what you said? Yeah, I was in yeah, Sunnyvale yeah. at the time. Right. Yeah. So. Before tech, you know, there was, it, we yeah. were we were down the street from the. Um, uh, Libby's factory. Oh, okay. And uh, at the cannery. Sure. And, and both of my aunts had at one time worked at that factory. All oh, right. Um, of course. At the cannery. And and I mean, literally, my aunt was across the street from it. One aunt, and we were down the block from it. Yeah. Right. So it was it was, and there were orchards all around us. Sure. Right. There, I don't think there were ten thousand people in Sunnyvale at the time. But they all worked there. Yeah. Exactly. My, <laughs> most my, of them were My aunt didn't drive, and I would uh, the one aunt that I stayed with most of the time didn't drive, and we would go into uh, San Jose once in a, once a month or so to pay uh, utility bills and stuff. She didn't mail things. She just hand-delivered them. And oh, we'd, wow. make, we'd make the big trip on the, on the train to San Jose. No it was kidding. a little different in those days. That's the old days, man. I love to hear that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't think uh, San Jose had less than 100,000 people. Yeah. And uh, not the million plus that it has now. Right, right. And there was uh, no such thing as high tech. Oh, heck no. That was high tech. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's cutting edge right there. It was. It was. <laughs> so speaking of your family, I wanted to get back to that. I know your your uh, grandparents came over, and I, you named one of your wines. I can't say it in Italian, but a better uh, life. Uh, basically. Vita Migliori. Okay, right. Um, and that means better life in Italian. And we, we dedicated it to them because my grandparents came over in 1901 mm. um, from Italy. And uh, they ended up, uh, my dad, my grandfather worked in a steel mill in Pittsburgh. Um, the family settled there. And my grandmother uh, stayed home and raised her 11 kids and baked bread that she uh, bartered uh, with the neighbors. She, she was a, the bread baker in the neighborhood. Right. And, um, and as a result of their sacrifice coming over here and working hard, right. um, everybody over here, all their kids got a better life than what they had in Italy. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of us grandkids have an even better life than our than our parents had, right. and it was all as a result of the the better life that um, my grandparents gave us by coming over here. But they consciously made that decision that we're going to do this to make a better life for our 
you know, our heirs that are coming along. And well, in, in those days, America was the, you know, the land of promise. And sure. so they, they, my, my grandfather was picking grapes in mm. Italy and working in a steel mill was hard work, but at least it, it gave him a better life than what he had over there. Right. Made him feel like he was making some progress in life. Yeah. You know, and, and like you said, made a better life for his kids and grandkids. Right. Right. Well, you said that your, uh, your mom or your aunts, they just raised you to not know anything other than you're going to be successful. You're yeah. going to do well. Yeah, my mom especially. Period. It was Is that, yeah. Mostly my mom's influence. And, and yes, she, she, she said I would, you know, you will be successful. Right. You, you know, you're, you're going to do what it takes to be successful. Right. And she you're, taught and, you how to believe in it. And you're going to do the right thing. And you did. And I like to think I did. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Tell me where the golfing came in. That's a whole nother life. Um, when I first got out of college, I dropped out of college uh-huh. um, at, at at nineteen. Okay, and uh, became an assistant pro. I had been working at um, the golf course in San Jose, San Jose Municipal. Oh, here in California. Okay. Yeah, and I, I became a a, a a teaching pro and assistant pro at at that golf course. I was a pretty good golfer in those days. Oh wow, yeah. And um, and did that for a few years, and then I I got offered a job to go to Marin County and do the same thing. So I went okay. up there, and I I. Uh, uh, fell in with these three brothers, um, the Caveney boys, um, and we we had more fun than any four people are supposed to have in their life during those <laughs> on the golf course. During those three, we played golf, we had parties. <laughs> yeah, just golfing was just part we, of it. Huh? We we rented a house um, in uh, in a place called Los Ranchitos in in uh, Marin County, um, one acre house, uh, one acre party uh, uh, property with a four bedroom house, and we. Um, we had a, a swimming pool in the back, a basketball court in the back, and a horse corral behind it. We didn't really use the horse corral, but um, but it was a great party property. So pretty much every Friday and Saturday night, our place was loaded with people, sure. with people bringing beer over and doing whatever, and yeah. and uh, and we just had a great time. Right. And and I was I was working at the golf course at the time. So you got a couple of years on me, so that must have been about in the seventies, or that would have been in the early seventies. Early seventies, right? Early seventies. Yep. Your disco hair and your big old bell bottoms going on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had I had all that. I had all I had, that. Yeah, I don't remember what they're called, but you know, John Travolta had this 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 the suit with the you know the pants matched the top and they had oh, the bell bottoms. That's funny. I, I had one of those outfits. Yeah, leisure suit. Leisure suit. Right? Thank you. Yeah, leisure suit. I had a leisure. I had a, a, a great denim leisure suit, and uh, and they had. A big flared collar uh, shirts denim. underneath it. That's great. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> big old massive collars. Yeah, and we, we were we were living the life. We were right, living the right. life. So yeah, how, how, so how'd how you do in golf? You heck of a golfer. Obviously, you're assistant pro there. Yeah, I was I was a good golfer back in those days, yeah. and I, I shot pretty close to par most most times. Wow. Uh, but um, I went to Alaska for ten years. And and that will oh that's yeah not that's a, a lot downfall. of golf courses up there. Huh? <laughs> There's a couple golf courses, but the the season runs from Fourth of July. I see, uh, sure. It, until um, Labor Day. That's yeah. the whole that's the whole golf season. Right. And the first few weeks of that, the courses are pretty rough. Yeah. There was a military course up there that was nicely. It was a nice golf course. It was laid out by uh, I think Robert Trent Jones. It was actually oh I see. It was actually a, a, a good layout and a nice course, but it just wasn't open very long. So mm-hmm. so you know you, I'm lucky to play a half a dozen times a year. Oh right, exactly. And so my golf game went from you know I went from a two handicap to an eight handicap, 
um, pretty quickly. And then when I came back to Seattle, I got it back down to a five or six. Um, and I played most of my life at a five or six. And, and don't I wish I could play anywhere close to that now? I can't. Yeah, right. I can't. Right. You can get par, man. I'm happy. I, I got, yeah, I got, I got to be uh, 55 in my, and all of a sudden my, uh, my handicaps are going up I don't, every year. Every year it went up a little bit. <laughs> well, you got to expect it. Yeah. You, could, you always go, I used to hit at this, you know. Yeah, exactly. I had my glory days. Well, and I can't relate to these new young guys. You know, when I was a pretty good golfer, I would hit it maybe 260 off the tee. Mm. And I was watching a tournament the other day, and these guys are hitting it 350 plus. Wow. It's a whole different world yeah. that these guys are playing in. I, 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 and all of them, not just some of them. I mean, they're all yeah. hitting it a mile. Yeah. So I, I can't I can't relate. I was yeah. watching the the kid from Chile, and it's like he seemed like he was gonna he was birdie in almost every hole. Amazing, it, because it, he's hitting the driver so hard, huh? Yeah, they're sitting wedge into every green and and uh. and uh, getting it close, and then and then making the putts. I mean, yeah, really really good golfers. Yeah, that's a whole different I, world. I, I, I was never a competitive golfer. I mean, I was good, but I I never played in tournaments. You know, oh, like professional sure. tournaments. Right. I didn't play in any of those. But you could teach and. I could teach, and I and I um, I could, like I said, I could keep it around par right, when I'm right. out there. I think the lowest I ever shot was 68, but that was an yeah. easy course, and that was that That's didn't amazing. that didn't happen very <laughs> often. <laughs> Hold <laughs> well, on, that one forever. Yeah, it seemed like I shot 73 all the time, man. It's just <laughs> yeah. not not quite par. Sure, That's amazing, though. That's still good. You know, it takes a lot to get to that point for sure. Well, when you when you're, I was teaching every day, and in fact, during the summer months, I was teaching six and seven days a week. And because uh, that's how I made my money. And and when you have a club in your hand every day and you're hitting balls every day, sure. then you then you naturally become pretty good. Yeah. You know, I was tee to green. I was I was definitely good. Mm. My my um, my short game sometimes left a little to be desired. I was sure. not a, I was not a good putter. Yeah. Right. Everybody's got their strong suit, I guess. Exactly. You know, except for a guy like Tiger Woods. He just does everything perfect. Yeah. Now these all these kids nowadays, yeah, crazy. the the ones that are playing out there and are really good, it's amazing. Yeah. Top of the top of the top. Crazy. I grew I grew up around golf. I don't know a whole lot about it, but you know, I remember when boy, somebody could hit 300 yards, they were smashing it. Three, well, 310. When Tiger first came out, he was hitting at 300 and he was hitting it past everybody. Really? Yeah. Oh, so it's it's been that it's I thought it was a lot longer. No. Just since like, well, I guess Tiger's Tiger's up there. That's a 30 years ago, huh? <laughs> now, isn't it? 20 years. Uh, I, I don't really know how old he is. I think he's probably in his late 40s or okay. mid 40s. Yeah. Somewhere in there. So it's been a good 20 some years since yeah. he came out. Yeah. Time does fly. It wow. Does. It does. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to, uh, I forgot, I asked you one time, what's, what was your first car? My first car was a 55 Oldsmobile. 55. I was I had 55 stuck in my head, but I didn't know if it was a Chevy or... 55 Olds. It was a tank. Really? Yeah, I bought it from my uh, the neighbor across the street. <laughs> his name His name was... You ready for this? What? Abe Lincoln. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. It was a Hawaiian guy, and his, and his family named him after... You know, they were happy to be part of the United States, and, right. and, they, and they named him after Abraham Lincoln. I have to ask, did he give you an honest sale? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, he, he did. I, I bought did he? I bought it for fifty bucks. Old honest Abe, that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, my dad and I used to play golf with him once in a while when I was in high school. He, oh no! He, kidding. he liked he liked to play golf. He's pretty good, pretty decent golfer himself. Yeah. So you so. pulling in a beautiful new Porsche. How's that compared to the fifty five? We've come a long way in our, old, in, our in our cars, haven't we? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no mercy. kidding. Yeah, I have, beautiful car you've got. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm real. It's just it's new to me. It's my yeah, first, yeah. my first Porsche. It's a Macan. It's an okay. S, SUV. 
Uh, and I I love it. I, yeah. The seats are more comfortable than any seats I've ever I've ever right. sat in. I have, as you know, I have back issues. Yeah. And um and the there, uh, when I drove down, I've driven three cars from Seattle down to here. You had a BMW before. Three, you traded, three in different right? cars. A Mercedes. Was it Mercedes? There's two different Mercedes, and then um and then this Porsche. I have a back brace that I wear when I do go on long trips. Um, I I took the back brace off. No kidding. Uh, on this with this car here, uh, halfway through the trip, and mm. I never had a back problem the whole time. Wow! It's the seats are fabulous. Uh, they they don't vibrate. They do give you heat yeah. if you want, and and um, more importantly, they just they just fit my body. It's like yeah, a glove, that's it, huh? like a glove, and they have right. great great lumbar support. Oh man! So I'm I'm real happy with it. That's it's not cool. it's not new. It's a 16. Sure, but I'm happy. Yeah. I'm I love the car. I'm really happy with it. Yeah. Tough to find a new one nowadays. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Holy cow. Somebody if, was telling me, uh, one of my clients was in here, and uh, I don't know who it was, but they were saying that there's a there's a ship that's on fire that, out there. And, and in, it has and it has a lot of Porsches on it. It has a lot of, yeah, real high-end cars on it's it. It's got Bentleys and, Bentleys and, oh, and Porsches. No. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. Uh, it's just going to drive the prices up even higher. Oh, so if you guys had just ordered a Porsche, sorry, it's going to be a couple more years. <laughs> well, there's one, yeah, they interviewed one guy, and he said, I've been waiting a year for it. I had it checked out. I had it made just the way I wanted it. I had every option oh, on right. it. It was $120,000, and, uh, and it's on fire. Oh, no, that was you that was telling me about that then, that, wasn't it? Yeah, that, yeah. Oh, man. Holy boy, cow. that, that, poor, that uh, I feel sorry for those guys. They're going to, I'm sure, you know, the, the car sure. uh, manufacturers will take care of them. They'll, they'll remake the right. car. And somebody, somebody's insurance will fight over, over who's going to pay, whether it's years, the ship, the ship or Porsche or somebody. <laughs> but but um, they'll, they'll get the cars. They're just going to have to wait another year. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I was talking to a guy that I met just the other day, and we were talking about cars. And he ordered an Audi SUV, and he's, he has a buddy who owns the dealership around here. And he's, the dealer guy called him up and said, hey, your lease is going to be up in a year, and if you don't order it now, you're not going to get one for, until – you won't get one when, you're, when your lease is up. You have to – we're a year out. We're a year or, out. On ordering the cars. On an Audi? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's just about, you know, that's a Volkswagen, you know. That's crazy, isn't it? That's crazy. And that's that's all because of the chip shortage? I, or, I that's uh, what I've heard. I don't I don't I'm not an expert in that field, but Yeah. But right. Right. it sounds like the, it, the chip shortage is the main the main cause. Yeah. Maybe they're just saying that. I also <laughs> I also heard that um when COVID first hit, all the uh rental car companies stopped ordering cars because hmm. they had too many cars already and people weren't traveling. So they oh. they canceled all their orders and stopped ordering cars. All right. Um, and so uh, I think the manufacturers cut back on their production. You know, they stopped ordering the chips and stopped, sure. stopped ordering um, stuff that need they need for producing the cars since no, people weren't buying them. Right. And uh, and then all of a sudden things changed in a hurry and they're not ready for it. What a, a, another yeah! What a tangled web, you know. Just there's so many avenues you don't think about. Yeah. You know, the, uh, rental cars that must have been a huge draw. Oh, it's unbelievable. I took a rental car back to um, the San Jose airport during COVID because mm. we brought a car. I had a friend brought, we had been renting a car for about a month. Oh, yeah. And had a friend drive uh, a car down for us from Seattle. And um, I, so I took the, the rental car back to San Jose and I could barely get in the rental car garage because there were so many cars parked in there. Jammed. Huh? It was totally jammed. And, really? there were, and I went to the counter and there was nobody in the rental car uh, no customers. There was just one person at each of the counters, one employee, and nobody in the in the whole place. It was like a ghost town. It was, Jam-packed. Yeah. And then I took my friend, 
who brought the car down. He was going on to Palm Springs to pick up another car and take it back to Seattle for another friend. I took him to the San Francisco airport. And I, I went in to use the restroom when I got up there. And the, that was like a ghost town, the whole airport. No kidding. Yeah, this was probably a month into COVID or maybe maybe oh, six wow. weeks into the, the first COVID wave. It yeah, was the whole was, San Francisco crazy, airport. Wasn't it? Whole San Francisco airport. Ghost nobody town. nobody in it. Just crazy. Yeah. We had a bunch of flights that we bought. Alaska Airlines was having a big sale. We I think we bought eleven tickets going back and forth to Seattle. We were planning on we had our whole spring planned out and uh, and we to go back and forth because they had this great sale and I paid uh $550 for 11 tickets. So they were averaging like 50 bucks a ticket. So we, we of course, we kept buying. They Might kept, as well. Every one of those flights was canceled. Oh, of course. That was during COVID. During That's why the first wave of COVID. Yeah, no, I bought them before COVID. Oh, I see. And, oh, okay. and then And then they ended up canceling every one of those flights. Oh, I thought they were so cheap because nobody was flying. No, it was, yeah, it was they just before. had a, they had a big sale and oh, I jumped no on it. Wow. Yeah. I took one, I took one plane back to Michigan and it was a monster plane. I was like, why? There's only 25 people on this plane. You know, I was like, well, these are international planes, and but we have to keep them in the air. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, okay. So they didn't want to mothball it. They just, you know, just keep it moving. Just keep it flying and then use it, you know, in the States. But it that's was just way too big of a plane for what they were doing. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. Well, it makes some sense. You know, sure. mechanical things like to be used. Yeah. They yeah, don't like exactly. to be sit That's idle. what I thought. Exactly. Yeah. Right. You don't want to park that thing, you know. Yeah, exactly. How do you mothball a monster like that? That's a good process. Just keep flying that sucker. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> right. So how long are you here? Another week, huh? Um, no, we're. I'm, I'm going to hopefully be here for a couple months. Oh, are you? Okay. Yeah, my wife's coming back down um, Thursday. She's oh. up there. I think I said listing some houses. Yeah. And then and then um, she's uh, hopefully going to be here with me for a month or two. We'll see. She's. She's got a lot of activity going on right now, yeah. more mm-hmm. even more than she usually has. So she may have to fly back and forth a little bit. Oh, and, yeah. and I may go back with her at some point. Right, right. Yeah, last time you were in here, you were uh, a little bit stressed out because you had some people breaking into your store. Yeah, it was. Did a, you ever get that thing it was a pretty, straightened out? There, pretty two in a row. Huh? Yeah, it was a pretty wild uh, couple of weeks. In, in a two-week period or less than two-week period, we had two break-ins. Uh, we had a little lapse in our in our security system that we a hole in the system and we plugged that so they can't get in again. Right. Uh, and then we had changed security uh, monitoring companies and and they didn't program the security system correctly. So it it went off, but it, di- it didn't look like anybody was in the store. So we dispatched the police. The police went and looked. The building was you know, there wasn't a siren going off. There was um, the doors were all secure. So we thought no big deal. Mm. And then it happened again, and we said hmm. This is weird. So my, my daughter, who runs the store, went to the security tapes, and, and she saw a couple guys in the store. Mm. Uh, fortunately, they didn't wipe us out. They were there for six minutes, and they got some product for sure. Sure. Um, but, um, but it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. So we got that fixed. And then we also have, uh, at the same time, we have people coming through the front door, loading up bags of liquor, and walking out the door. And if you um, confront them, they got violent. Oh, while you're open? While we're open. Oh, wow. Bra- brazen theft. Just absolutely brazen theft. Wow. Um, so it got to the point where we had that happen three times. And uh, and the one time, actually, you know, one of my employees was assaulted. And so um, I hired a security guard. So we now, sure. we now have an armed guard at the store, which is, which is terrible. But Terrible, uh, right. We have no choice right now but to yeah, do that. Exactly. Is that a, a bad little area or something? Seems like it's outside the city. 
Seattle's a bad little area right yeah, now. The right. whole town. The whole town. Um, Is it? I talked to uh, an assistant police chief who will remain nameless. Sure. He's a customer at the store. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he said that they have a commitment from the new mayor to clean up the streets of Seattle. Do they? Yeah. As far as like the I mean, homeless. There's, and... there's tents everywhere in town. Yeah. It's, it's not, it doesn't feel safe. And the fact is, I don't think it is safe yeah. in most parts of the city. So they, they're, they're going to get their arms around it. what They're committed to do that. Right. And our neighborhood is one of those neighborhoods where we have a lot of the homeless camped out. There are <clears throat> uh, alleys and, uh, and roads that are not used very much. Okay. Uh, behind the main roads, and and there's tents everywhere, and there's that just camp- becomes theirs, huh? Campers everywhere, and they've taken over. Oh, the campers too, right? Oh, they yeah, just they pull right back in there yeah. and live. They they're literally living. There's a there's a huge homeless population living in our neighborhood, and because of that, um, uh, that we have we have the crime that we have. And I've heard from our landlord that uh, who who owns m- multiple buildings in the same neighborhood that it's happening all over the neighborhood. It's not mm. just it's not just us. Again. It's terrible. Well, you know, I started this program because of this, just, just such a gap in, you know, manufacturing in America and, you know, what's next is uh, just what's next for us blue collar, us middle class people, you know, and I know it's, it's hard for a guy like you that came up and, you know, just knew nothing but trying to get successful, you know, and, and, and you look out at this sea of homeless people yeah. It's like, what do you, I know you got to be compassionate on one side and on the other end, you're angry and it's like, but what is the answer? It's just like, that's, well, we, we can't get people to come to work for us. See, at, right. And the minimum wage in Seattle, just, uh, this will surprise some people is now, um, sixteen sixty seven an hour. You can go to work at McDonald's for almost 17 bucks an hour and they can't get people to come to work for them. And we can't get people to come to work for us at, and we pay a higher wa- wage than that. So um, I, it seems to me the way to get the people off the street is to get them to go to work. Right. And if they, if they come to work, um, then they can get themselves up off the street. And the jobs are available. For them to say they, For them to say we can't get jobs is, is not the truth. Yeah. You know, right. It's just, it, it's just crazy. It's just how do you get the ball rolling? I, you know. I, I've often thought, you know, because our neighborhood has attracted had attracted homelessness, um, not to the degree it is now, but it's it's had some homeless issues for uh, twenty years plus. Oh, in the years past, sure. yeah, it has, but not as bad, not like it is now. Mm. It's not well, that's the point where it's unsafe. But I've right. often thought, well, how do you how do you clean this up? I don't have the answer to that. I, I there's there's but there's got to be an answer. I don't know what the answer is, but it's, there's got to be an answer. Yeah, right. If you go to Carmel, there's no homeless. No. You go to Edmonds, where I live up north, there's no homeless. Right, right. You go to Seattle, they're everywhere. That's where they are. So I, I, don't know the, I don't know why. I don't know why it's there and not other places. I don't know what Carmel and Edmonds are doing differently than Seattle. But uh, Seattle has to do something different than what they're doing. Yeah, to the point where they're just walking right in and walking out with your stuff yeah. in your store while it, you're it, just open. Yeah, I, I'm a I'm a middle class kid, very right, much lower. Right. Mid, you start off lower middle class, and my dad was in sure, the navy. Right. You know, lo, lower middle class kid that worked my way up, earned earned what every penny I've got, um, and and it's not fair for them to take it from me. Just That's kind they, of what I was alluding to. It's like you just don't know anything but trying to better yourself, and it's like the anger, like that's not fair. 
Well, I find myself saying stuff that I never would have said before. Yeah. You know, like, like, you know, go ahead and shoot him. I don't care. But I, I do care. <laughs> you don't and mean that. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't mean that, to... but I say that because they're <laughs> pissing me off. Right. They're, they're, it's one of those things where it's not right for them, them to just think they can come in and take any of my stuff that they want. Right. It's my stuff. And right. I, earn, I earned every penny of that. You betcha. I, you know, I right. didn't, nobody gave me that. There's a disconnect there. They think that you're just this, this box store. Yeah. You know? They can't think that. There's got to be somebody at the top that owns this thing, or they just don't think that far. I don't know. I was talking it's to... frustrating. But before I came here, I had a conversation with another store owner, another liquor store owner mm-hmm. in Seattle. And uh, I asked him about <clears throat> problems. And he said, well, I did, but I don't have them anymore. And I said, why? And he said, because they took the homeless encampment that was across the street from me, and they moved it. Mm. And got you know they, they kicked him out of that park. And he said, ever since they, they kicked him out of the park, I don't have a problem anymore. Huh. So I, you know, and a lot of the, I know there's mental health issues out there. I know there's drug issues out there and maybe they're stealing the liquor so they can barter, barter it for drugs. I don't know. I, I but, yeah. but it, there is a connection with the crime and the, and the homelessness. Right. The drugs, pharmaceuticals and yep. uh, needles. And- yeah. Oh yeah. We, we have training uh, in our neighborhood about how to, how to handle dirty needles. Sure. Right, I bet the cops are the cops are offering everybody training. Yeah, because it's there; they're all over the place. Yeah, you know, growing up in Michigan, there's some, there's a lot of woods up in there, and there's a there's a few areas where all the trees are all in a perfect row. You know, and I ask around, well, that was probably part of something like a New Deal or something when back when you know, uh, I don't know. Um, Roosevelt depression and yeah. you know they trying to get some guys back to work you know I don't know whether they paid them in food or what you know in credits or what but you know there was just a whole program out there of just getting people to work whether it was you know improving our country or planting trees or you know cleaning or whatever it seems like there's an answer for this many people that are not doing anything well we have jobs for them and there's jobs too, aside from that, yeah. right? Well, I've, I've often thought that if, if people are going to be on welfare, they should put them to work. That's what I'm thinking, right? You know, uh, right. And say, you know, we'll, we'll give you the money, but you got to earn it somehow. Sure. You know, go here, go clean the streets. Right. Go clean the park. Let's, you know, let's do something. Put in X amount of hour credits. Yeah. And you, you can get your check or something, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not, yeah, I, I do realize there are people that, aren't capable of working, sure, mentally right. ill people, to, we, for example. Yeah, we need to cover them. I'm, I'm good with that. Right. But if somebody's uh, fully capable of working, we shouldn't just hand them a check every week. Yeah, you know, right, they, right. They should go to work. Yeah. Especially if there's jobs available. Hmm. That's just my, you know, but I'm I'm an entrepreneur and I'm the guy, I'm signing checks on the front, not just on the back. Right, and, right. And so I have, I might have a different opinion than a lot of exactly other people. Exactly right. It's hard to get your mind around it to try to help, you know, it's just, uh, just, just pick yourself up and go, man. Yeah. You know? No, I know. Well, <laughs> the you're, world's your oyster, brother. You're, you know? you're an entrepreneur as well. So you, yeah. you know how, you know, sure. the angle from which I'm coming. Exactly. Right. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a separate thing. People have. You know, you're a business owner, so you've got it made. Yeah. And we deserve to be able to take whatever you have, and we don't care about the consequences. Well, and they don't. People, when people think of business owners, they assume that they're making a lot of money every year. Sure. I've had a lot of years where I haven't made much money. You, you know, I don't get, both, bro. I, I don't have a guaranteed paycheck. <laughs> no. You know, my, my paycheck is dependent on how much money the company makes. Yeah. 
And some years, COVID years have been great. People are home drinking. Sure, you know? right. So I made I made good money the last couple of years. Uh, but the year before COVID was a down year for me. I didn't make much money at all. Right. No, and that's that's the part that people don't understand. Everybody you employed made their money. They did. They all got paid the same amount. They, getting paid today. If you get run out of money, comes out of the big man. That's exactly for what, sure. Yeah, right. that's what happens. You know, you know what that's like. You bet. Yeah, up and down, up and down. It's crazy. I've had too many businesses. We, we also have a wine storage business up there. Oh, okay. Do it, tell. It's a uh, it's basically mini storage for wine. Okay. We have a four thousand square foot room that's got three levels in it. Um, you use the rolling ladders like they have at Home Depot to get to oh. the third to third level, um, and um, and we have five hundred fifty lockers out there. They vary in size from nine cases up to two hundred and twenty cases. Mm-hmm. So for people who don't have proper wine storage that have collections. Um, they, they can rent, or if they have, they might have a cellar at home, but they buy too much wine, need a place to store it. <laughs> Overstock. Uh, we, we, uh, our room is a giant refrigerator. It's, uh, uh, 55 degrees at all times, but it, you can't just air condition it cause it gets too dry. So you have to have moisture in the air. Our, our temperature is always 55 degrees and our humidity is always between 50 and 75%, which is, those are ideal wine storage conditions. Wow. Um, and we, we have... We never have 550 customers out there, but we have um, 480 or something like that customers. Huh. Um, and uh, and we've had that business since 1998. I've never even heard of that. That's an incredible idea. Um, I, we, were one of, we were one of the first ones around the country to do it. Really? Um, I, I um, got wind of the idea uh, from somebody else, you know, and the... I think it's Picasso that said, "Good artists copy, great artists steal." That's right. <laughs> so, I I, uh, I stole the idea from somebody else, and uh, another Italian. <laughs> I don't know who it was. But I, I went around the country to the facilities that um, had them. In fact, in the, one in the Bay Area um, had it at, at um, uh, what's that great uh, great wine store on the peninsula? They had a storage operation as well. And I uh, the the owner's daughter was extremely helpful to me, gave me all kinds of information and ideas. Um, and uh, I can't, I can't believe I can't think of the name. Uh, it's very well known. Anyhow, story, yeah. um, anyhow, <laughs> um, we we put it in in 1998. Um, I when I say we, I don't have a partner in the store, but I have a partner in the wine storage business. Oh, I see. Um, right. Okay. And uh, he and I, longtime friends, um, successful real estate guy, and so we we uh, made a, a deal and, and put that up. And uh, it took us about seven years to make that thing profitable. It's one of those things where it was a slow crawl see, to yeah. make it profitable. Now it's a nice little business and has been ever since. So the last, uh, the last 15 plus years has been a nice little business. Mm, wow. Yeah, for Christmas I got Melinda this uh, a wine cooler, like a little refrigerator. Yeah. I think it holds 40 plus bottles, yep. something like that. Same idea, you know. She keeps the top rack at 65, and this one at or 60 and 55 or whatever, you know, because one's it, higher than the other and different selections. So I don't know much about it, but so you t- you have a building. Yes. That does that. Yes. Wow. <laughs> and so did you find an old building and and. Oh, it's in, it's basically in the back of the store. Oh, okay, so, big addition or something, or yeah. was it part of the store? No, yeah, we, it was it was an it was an addition. I picture it underground. I don't know why. Is it, no, why it's, the store it's, should be well, underground. Well, if, if it wasn't climate controlled, it would need to be underground. I but see. That's because, what it is. Because we have the oh, okay. the air conditioning um, system. Um, right. It's a it's a big air conditioning system, sure. as you might imagine. With Keep, a humidor type humidifier type hooked right through it. Not air conditioning, refrigeration. Right. I keep calling it air conditioning, air but it's not. It's a typo, right. Yeah. 
so uh, yeah, that's um, uh, it, it, we like I said, we were one of the first in the country, and now they're they're all over the place. We actually looked at doing them in different different uh, markets because um, we thought it'd be a, a, a nice business to have ten of them, right? Sure. Um, but because it's a real low volume dollar business, you, you don't you don't trade a lot of dollars in that business. Mm. Uh, it's kind of a high margin low low dollar business. Sure. Um, it didn't make sense because you would spend half your profits overseeing the operation. If you have to fly to Denver, which was one of the places we were looking at, you have to fly to Denver to, to oversee it once in a while, or your manager quits and you have to go there and run it for a while and hire, and, and hire somebody. We kind of figured that managing it remotely would chew up all the profits or mm. half the profits, so it didn't make sense. Yeah. So most of the ones around the country, I think maybe all of them, are independently owned. I see. Well, if you've got a place to store it for these big wine buyers, then they'll give it an opportunity to buy more wine. We, we was had, that kind of the idea? We or? had that thought, too. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. That, this is on sale. I can store it for you. <laughs> I've got the whole thing covered. We do. We do. Yeah, perfect. That so, was the idea of that, huh? Well, we That was part of it. It was part of the idea. Yeah, yeah. Right, it, the, right. Some of the storage operations around the country are independent of the, of the retail store, not yeah. part of the retail store. Some, yeah. some are. Yeah. In our case, it's, it's connected. Yeah, so you wouldn't do that again? Oh, I would do that for you sure again. But only on a place that you can manage on site. But local, yeah. yeah. Right, It'd right. have to be local it to make sense. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How cool. Wow. You lead a hell of a life, my friend. <laughs> I have, uh, I've had some adventures. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Right, right. Holy cow. We didn't even talk about my seven kids, ten grandkids. Yeah, I mean. And four, just had a fourth great-grandchild. Wow. So, great-grandchild. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> do tell. So you've got, well, you've been married before, so you're on a second or? Uh, uh, it's actually my third marriage. Third marriage, okay. Yeah, I, so. I was married young and divorced young. Okay. And then didn't marry for a long time. No kids with the first one? Yeah, I might have a daughter with the first one. One daughter with the first one? One daughter with the okay. first one. She's the one who's the grandmother of the new baby that was born. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds crazy, your daughter being a grandma. Huh? I know, it's cra- it is crazy, because I you know, I just turned 70, I'm not that old. But, right, uh, right, but exactly. I, I'm having kids young and... Their, their kids are having kids young, and yep. so it just kind of worked out that way. Yep. The new one is called Rico Cinco. <laughs> you he, did tell me about this the one. Fa- yeah. The father is Rico <laughs> the Fourth, and, uh, and, and it's a tradition that the first boy in their family is named Rico. So he's right. Rico the Fifth, and my, my son-in-law named him <laughs> Rico Cinco. <laughs> That'll stick with him for life. And I think it will. <laughs> That's great. Anyhow, so we, yeah, we, uh, uh, Christine has... Um, Three children are, that are now my stepchildren. Okay, um, they're adults. You know, we I didn't raise them. Right. Um, and then I have um, the three children I had with my second wife. Three. Right. They're, okay. They're, they're not mine, but I raised them. Sure, know, I see. Basically adopted. Okay. Um, and then uh, and did then, you have kids with the second? No. No. Okay. Just three no. of her kids. And then my daughter came to live with us for a while, so we had the Brady bunch. <laughs> right. For a while, all girls, by the way. <laughs> Oh yeah, and then Christine has perfect. Christine has two girls and a boy, so there's um, six girls and one and one boy. Nice, it's a little bit of testosterone. A little yeah, bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I got a lot of son-in-law, so we're uh, we're I'm protected. That's true. <laughs> that's a lot of kids, man. Too many. Wow. Too many, but that's life. You know, so yeah. you, you don't predict, you know, who you're going to fall in love with. Yeah, right. How many grandkids? Ten. Ten grandkids. Ten grandkids. And then four. Some young ones and, and, and sure. a, a few are adults and they're having their kids. The whole spectrum. Oh, yeah. Man. 
That's yeah. a heck of a family reunion. Expensive at Christmas time. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, and lots of lists too. Who did I forget? Right. Oh man. Yeah, we, it it it's complicated. Yeah, for sure. Right. But we have a great life. Yeah, you know, we're blessed. We have all these kids. We have all these grandkids. We have right. uh, the two houses, the timeshare in Mexico, uh, and we're just totally blessed. We yep. we truly are. Exciting so. life. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just glad to hear that you that you appreciate it. People are so crazy today. You know. You, well, nice I, to meet somebody that's humble and you know had a good life and know you worked for it and. And appreciate what you have. Uh, we you we, know? we very much appreciate what we right. have. And I'll tell you what brings brings it home is when you have some health issues, like I have this chronic back problem, and I've had I've had some major issues with it uh, twice in the last three and a half years. Yeah. Um, and uh, when you get to the point where it's hard to walk for a while, mm. fortunately I'm past all that right now. And thanks sure. thanks to you and 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 other people that have helped me with that. Good, thank you. Um, but um, it really may it humbles you. You know, yeah. it makes you appreciate, you know, that life is, life is, uh, right. there's no guarantees and, and, and you can't have, I don't care how much money you have, uh, good health is more important. Yeah. Right. I'm telling you what, you spend a life of, you know, playing football and oil rigs and swinging a golf club, man, you're going to, you're going to wear that back out a little bit, you know? Yeah. You got to be happy to, you know, it's good pain. Not yeah. Good pain. You know what I mean? Oh, you, I, you brought it on yourself and I did, and I'm, and I'm I'm um, I'm fortunate. I didn't have any knee problems from the football, or oh, I played right eight years, and yeah. didn't have any any knee problems or yeah. anything like that. And I was a running back, so a yeah. lot of running backs have have knee issues. That's for sure. So I'm 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 okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay, and I'm I'm blessed. Like yeah. I said, right. We're, Just we're over that back and that hip, and be ready to rock and roll. Get you back on the golf course again. Absolutely, I'm ready right to on. go. You just, got, you just got to fix me. That's right. That's I'll week here and there. And I'll see you tomorrow night. Get you, that, <laughs> get you back to driving 300. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. maybe, maybe not. <laughs> Two fifths. Six o'clock. I got a tea time on Sunday in my first in eight months, and you got to fix me tomorrow night so that I could do that. Yeah. I'm excited to hear you get back on the course, man. I'm excited. I thought maybe you'd take a little more time off of it, you know. Um, well, I'm, I'm not going to press it hard, yeah. but I've got some friends. Just take it easy. Got friends coming down, and we right. made a tea time, right. and so we're going to oh, go cool. go check it out. Don't hurt yourself. I won't. All right, my brother. All right. Have a good night. You too. Great to talk to you.